1 Samuel chapter 7, and let's go back to where we were, and let's assume that in the first service we got enough information for background and context for the 12th verse of 1 Samuel chapter 7. Samuel took a sucking lamb and burned it holy on an altar to God and cried unto the Lord for the Lord to deliver Israel from the Philistines. The Lord thundered with great thunder directed to the Philistines, discomfiting them. They ran in terror. The Israelites scooped up their weapons, chased them down and slew them. And so we have 1 Samuel 7 and Samuel raised this memorial. Verse 12, Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpeh and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And so, first day in the office, or there as the judge of Israel, he works as an intercessor and gets himself in and calls that thunder down from heaven without knowing what the Lord was going to do or how he was going to deliver them, but he did deliver them. And so it brings us to this 12th verse, and we want to look at it. Samuel took a stone. The stone here was not for idolatry, so it was not prohibited by Moses' law. Taking stones and setting them apart, if it was for any aspect of idolatry, Moses condemned. Leviticus 26.1 is one of those places. Israel, or piles of stones, to remember God's blessings or their commitments. After Joshua had led the nation through the Jordan River, and they stood on the other side, and it was heaped up. The water was heaped up, and it tells us about the effect of that heaped up water. In the book of Joshua, he told heads of 12 tribes, go back down in there where the priests stood with that Ark of the Covenant. Because while that Ark of the Covenant was down there, the waters piled up and went back upstream. He took 12 leaves and in the middle of the Jordan River, go back down there to where they were standing and dig around and come up with a nice sized stone and bring it on your shoulder. See, little stones you carry in your hand. Big stones you put on your shoulder, bring them up out of there, and let's make ourselves a pile of 12 stones that in the days to come, when our sons and we ever pass by this place, they'll say, hey, Dad, what's that pile of stones? Well, let me tell you a story. And it's not a fishing story of Dad's. It is a story of the Lord bringing them through the Jordan River on dry ground. In Deuteronomy 27, Moses commanded Israel to set up plastic stones with God's law written on it. The tribes living on the east of Jordan. Do you remember that ten tribes, or nine and a half, that's ten, a part of the tenth, went into Canaan by passing through the Jordan River. They went west. And two and a half tribes stayed on the east side, and they raised up a pile of stones as a witness that whenever you need us, we will be there, and we will always worship the God that is worshipped in Shiloh and then in Jerusalem. We will not invent our own religion. It is a very serious matter. Because the rest of the nation was very nervous about these two and a half tribes wanting to stay on what they considered the wrong side of Jordan. And so there's a great agreement, and it's in Joshua chapter 22, and reading it is, is precious. 
And then in chapter 24, I've already shown you this morning where God raised, where Joshua, excuse me, picked up a stone in verse 26 of chapter 24 as a witness against the nation because they had said, we the Lord. And so there's these reminders, and we don't have any stones. And if you hear a very solid clunk of a heavy stone, it's because one of our members with equipment able to do it, who took a phone call from his pastor yesterday and said, would you be able to move a stone six by six by six and set it gently on our property? Sure. Where is it? was his question to me. And I said, don't do anything foolishly. I just want to know if you could. Uh, we don't have it. You know, I know that some families have stones and they have jars on the mantle where they put Thanksgivings in it. And on Thanksgiving Day, they take the jar down from the mantle, twist the top off and start pulling them out to remind themselves of the things God has done over the last year. Great idea. We need mechanisms to remind us. So sometimes we have praise services. Sometimes we just want to think of things the Lord's done for us and reiterate them back to the Lord. They use stones at times. This event, called Ebenezer, was located near the Philistine capture of the ark by the Lord's providential arrangement and Samuel's choice. God led him to say, all of Israel gathered together to me at Mizpeh which was called in chapter 4-1 and 5-1 Ebenezer by anticipation that it would be named that in chapter 7. You say, that is really, that's a figure of speech called prolepsis. Prolepsis. When you are writing about a string of events and you decide to keep people clear, their minds cleared up a little bit or to provide some additional information, I'll go ahead and name this place this name that's not going to be known until later. It's in your Bible more than you think. I'll give you another example. Bethel. Bethel. The house of Elohim. The house of God that Jacob called those stones. That's Jacob. But when you go back, Abraham traveled in Genesis chapter 12 around a place called Bethel. But it wasn't called Bethel yet. But it is for us so that we understand its location. And when you go back and read Jacob later in around chapter 28... It says there, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Moses wrote, it was originally called Luz. <laughs> so thank you, Lord, for telling us sometimes when you're using prolepsis. It was originally called Luz. Jacob named it Bethel. But when Moses wrote the whole record, he had Abraham moving around Bethel as well. And here it's Ebenezer. And it's where the, the first battle, they lost 4,000 men. Second battle, they lost 30,000 men. And the ark. And two priests and Eli, and Eli's daughter-in-law. But the third battle, they beat them all the way to Bethkar and smote them after the Lord discomforted them with thunder. And they never bothered Israel again during Samuel's reign. And Samuel went and recovered cities that they had taken from Israel. So it was a great, it was a long-lasting, significant, supernatural victory by God thundering upon them and aiding them because of their repentance and their dedication to the Lord. Right. Ebenezer. Ebenezer equals stone of help. Eben is stone and Ezer is help. If you notice, he named it, verse 12, 
called the name of it Ebenezer. So the stone was called a and it is the stone of help. And then he further elaborated by saying, he said, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Now, hitherto hath the Lord. We see that capital L-O-R-D. We know that is Jehovah. So we need either a prefix, Jeho, or Joe, or a suffix, Ia, I-A-H, or J-A-H, and we don't see that, do we? I'm just showing you how we look at words. We don't see that, do we? There's no Jeho to start this. So we know the word Lord is not in the word Ebenezer. We know Jehovah is not in Ebenezer. It's simply the name of a stone. And what's the name of the stone? The stone of help. Because hitherto hath the Lord helped us. But the word Lord is not in the name like we find in other places. And Elohim is in the name because there's no L, E-L, like Bethel. And so it's Ebenezer, the stone of help. We don't have a stone, but we better be thankful for everything the Lord has helped us with. He has helped us with so many things. If you listened to the brother's prayer a few minutes ago, he has helped us in our nation. He has helped us in our marriages. He's helped us in our jobs. He's helped keep us, keep us from the pandemic or the pandemic from us. We've been helped many times. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And we should want to say those words. I want you to love those words and know where they are in the Bible and what event took place. Because we should be thankful. Let us focus on the full meaning of the memorial. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Hitherto, up to this time, until now, as yet, to this place or point in space, thus far, so far, the Lord's helped us. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And it's really like the first day that the nation and Samuel are joined together with Samuel as their judge and their leader and their intercessor. They knew about Samuel being a prophet, but he was taking on additional roles here in 1 Samuel chapter 7. And so for the first time they're together, they repent, we will only serve the Lord. We have put away Baal and Ashtaroth, and we have sinned against the Lord. That's as good as you can get from a congregation. We have sinned against the Lord, we will serve only the Lord, and we've put away other gods. And they have Samuel, who from a lad worshipped God at Shiloh alone around five, and had God's revelation to him so that he was established in Israel as a prophet of God. Well, you put those two together, good things are going to happen. Hitherto, one day into office, two days into office, make it whatever you want. It was a very short period of time. Look what the Lord's done. And as we sang in that song, number 25 in our Burgundy hymnals, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come, and I hope. Ah, because he's been so good to me to this point, and I hope by thy good pleasure that I'm going to arrive safely home. He's going to take us all the way home. And so that's what we're considering right now. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? If you spend more than a couple minutes looking at the news or noise, that is available now. You look at it and you say, I don't, this is terrible. This is terrible. Well, it's been terrible before. But you, and it doesn't really matter whether it's been terrible before or, terrible or not terrible before. What matters is, do you trust the God that's taken care of you in the past? Yes. I mean, it was bad in the 60s. And it was bad in the 70s. And listen, it was really bad in the 1860s. 
If you think about it, the 1860s were the worst of all. Yep, that was the worst of all. That's the worst thing that ever happened to our nation. That was the Civil War. Brother killing brother. Cousin killing cousin. Tearing each other apart. Burning their, city, burning their cities down. Burning their means of production down. It was terrible. Sherman marching from New Orleans all the way to, to Charlotte eventually. Taking his, making his way through Columbia and Charleston. Um, 60 miles wide. Just mayhem and war and burning and trouble and death. And, and the, the bullets they used back then were just ugly. They weren't little jacketed bullets that made tiny little holes that you could put a Band-Aid over. They, they, tore off, they tore off part of your leg. And then the worst, more men died by the surgeon's saw than by bullets because it was so bad. Right. And just, just to remind you, but the real issue is God is with us. Amen. Hitherto, the Lord's been our help, and He'll be able to be our help going into the future. Samuel's inspired wisdom chose these words to praise the victory and to imply future help. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. That's strange language. Hitherto. Is that all the farther he's going to help? Or is it implied by that choice of words that he's helped us to this point and he will continue to help us if we repent and serve him as diligently as Israel was now serving him? And they were serious now. They had lamented. They had put away their false gods. And they had said, we have sinned, and they called on him to pray for them. And they, they followed his leadership to come to Mispe and meet with him there for a revival. They were in Mispe for a revival, opening Samuel's judgeship 20 years after Eli's death. Their lamentation was of lost battles, lost ark, and lost priests, proving Ichabod was true. They knew God had deserted them, and they wanted God back, and they just needed to be told How do I get God back? Get rid of your idols. Confess your sins. Prepare your hearts to seek Him. Prepare your hearts. That means you need time to meditate. You need time to get on your knees. You need time to talk to the Lord. It could be in bed. In bed, where you call out to the Lord, I want you to have all of my heart. I want to be totally committed to you for the rest of my life. I want to love you more than anything else. I don't want anything to distract me. I will lose everything in this life, but do not let me lose you. Go ahead and abuse me. Use me, because I want to be all yours. That's preparing your heart for the Lord, and that is what they did. Samuel told them to do it, and they did it. And the Lord responded, and the Lord kept the Philistines away, Samuel's entire ministry. Let's contrast the great loss of Eli's compromise with the great victory by Samuel's leadership. Where there had been great loss, think with me, 4,000 the first battle, the next day 30,000, the ark's stolen, two priests are killed, Eli dies, and his daughter-in-law dies, and she names her son Ichabod, rather obviously, by a measure of inspiration, because she didn't regard anything else. The midwives told her, you're going to die. She didn't care. Ichabod. What did she care about? The Ark of the Covenant was taken, and it says so. Where there had been great loss, now there was great victory. Total defeat that lasted well into the future, and so they recovered cities, and the Philistines never bothered them again. 
where they had foolishly presumed on God to haul that ark into battle. Now they pursued their enemies by God and then rested. What a difference of presuming on God and then being able to pursue a better quality of life by God's blessing. Where they had presumed on furniture, now they trusted separation and dedication. You know, the Catholics presume on furniture. They love their altars and all their stained glass. And they, they love where they keep the host. And they worship it. And I forget the names because there's certain things I don't care about memorizing. But anyway, they put that little host in a big sunburst and they get down and kneel and worship to it and pray to it. It's called adoring the host because they're all about furniture, but so were the Jews. We're, we're, we don't want to be about furniture. We don't want to be about a building. We don't want to be about a pulpit. We don't have an altar. What happened to it? Oh, it's over here to the side. We don't have an altar because we're a Baptist church. You know, I used to hear the invitation given in Baptist churches, come on down to the altar. What altar? Our altar's in heaven. And the Lord Jesus offered himself there to God Almighty and was accepted, and we were accepted in him. We don't want to care about furniture. Where they had accepted wicked priests, now they trusted a man established by God. We need to always identify God's gracious help and remember it by perpetual efforts, lest we forget it, how much he's done for us. We must connect the dots to see the basis and cause of God's return after our repentance. When we repent and seek him more perfectly, he responds, he reacts to us. And we want to identify that. The the testimony of the young man that spoke to you a few minutes ago He started out with, two years ago, leaving his home with opposition to follow the Lord more perfectly. Now, I'm glad he started with that. Because then everything else makes perfectly good sense. Because the Lord blesses that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's an axiom of scripture and of life that we believe. The confirmation. Let's, looking at that verse, I hope you understand everything in it. Samuel took a stone, that's easy, and set it between Mizpah and Shen, right there near the battlefield, and called the name of it Ebenezer. You know that it is the stone of help. It should be in your King James margin, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. He set a stone. He set a memorial. He renamed it. And he said, to this point, the Lord's shown himself faithful on his part. We repented, you repented, and the Lord delivered us. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Let's look at a few other examples in the Bible of men raising memorials for God's help. Oh, what was the Passover for? The Passover happened every year. And the Bible tells us in Exodus 12 and 13, where the Passover details are presented, that they are there so that when your son asks you, what are we doing? Let me tell you a story, son. We were slaves in Egypt. And here's how the Lord brought us out. We had to put blood on our doorways because an angel passed through that night and smote the firstborn. And Exodus 12 and 13 tells us about that. In Exodus 13, 
you had to redeem the firstborn of every breed of animals that you had. Do you remember the story? Some of you should. Some of you animal lovers should remember the story. If an ass was born on your property, you needed to redeem it with a lamb. So you had to take a lamb and kill it. And if you wouldn't kill a lamb for this firstborn ass being born, you had to break its neck. Now you read that and you say, wow, that was a, that was a rough way to live. That's part of their religion, folks. That was a religious custom. And the point is, the children are going to say, why do we have to kill a lamb for this ass? Well, let me tell you something. God killed the firstborn of everyone in Egypt, of man and beast. And so we dedicate the firstborn of man and beast to the Lord. And so there's, the Bible has a lot of these. The Lord wants us to remember. It's a sermon entitled, Forget Not. That dealt with it in detail, Forget Not. The Lord doesn't want us to forget all the things He does for us. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, all the laws and statutes, the Lord says, when your son asks you in time to come, what are all these laws and statutes that we keep quoting and learning and memorizing? Well, let me tell you something. They separate us from all the nations on earth. They make us better. They give us a better quality of life. They give us true law and order. They give us justice and judgment. They give us truth and mercy. And it it is said that way in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it goes on from there. And it says that children should ask their parents, why do we do this? And if you were to ask us, why do we do things? And what's happened in the history of this church? We have answers for you. And in, in the next few days, I'm going to be able to take three that I'm going to be presenting to this church for membership soon and take them through those history slides. And, and I'm going to have a great deal of pleasure doing it. There's four crossings of the Red Sea. Forget just one. We have, it, we have four that I've tried to identify as the big signal moments and big signal events that led us to large numbers of other changes that the Lord has shown us. Look at Psalm 77. Look at Psalm 77 with me. Let's confirm in the rest of the Bible that looking back is a good thing and remembering is a good thing, which we ought to do. Psalm 77 and verse 10. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. Notice it jumping from the first person to the second person. And I hope when you read your Bibles, you see it all the time now, every page almost, moving around in person as as to who's being addressed and how they're being addressed. In verse 9, the psalmist is writing as if God had forgotten to be gracious and shut up his tender mercies. But then he says in 10, this is my fault. I will remember all that you have done for me. I will remember them. I'll remember them. It's used three times. And in verse 12, I will meditate about them and talk about them as well. And when we do that, then it reminds us of how great the Lord is and what he's done for us in the past. And he'll do it for us in the future. Psalm 37. What if we forget The psalmist wrote in Psalm 137 about those that were led captive into Babylon 
If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. And to prefer something joy, we've got to remember it. Forget the good things that you've done for me. If I forget your house and your church in Jerusalem, then let my right hand forget how to play your praise. Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth so that I can no longer praise or do anything. That's how important it is. Look at Psalm 116. David did said much about remembering things and meditating upon them. Psalm 116. Verse 1, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Wow. Have you ever called upon the Lord and he heard you and answered you? If so, is this true about you? From now on, I'm going to call upon him. Because of experience with him. Psalm 116. In Isaiah 46, the Lord says there, in comparison to the gods of the Babylonians that had to be hauled on wagons by beasts that got tired, I have borne you from your mother's womb and I will bear you all the way till death. Do you believe that? How did you get out of your mother's womb? How did you ever hear the gospel of the living God? The choices that God made in your life. He's going to bear you the rest of your life. But you need to remember the first part. Look at Paul in Acts chapter 26. I know we're flipping pages right now. It's good for us sometimes. It's not preaching today. Well, we did exposit seven chapters of 1 Samuel, but now I want to confirm it with other Bible witnesses. And that's what I'm doing. I'm leading you through them. The whole Bible looks back to have faith confirmed and give hope for the future. And we want to do that. You know, whether we bring a stone this big or a stone six by six by six and put it up in front of our building, it's not the stone. Will we look back and see the Lord making changes in our lives and doing wonderful things for us? Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. He's helped every one of you or you wouldn't be here. Look at Watch his words. Acts 26. He's on trial for his life, and he tells Agrippa and Festus, verse 21, For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none of the things those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. What I want you to know is the first part of verse 22. Having therefore obtained help of God, God rescued me from that angry mob down in Jerusalem that was trying to pull me apart when the chief captain came down and rescued me. But it was God that rescued me. God rescued me from a conspiracy that they were going to kill me while I was being transported from Jerusalem to Caesarea. But I was made known of it, and I was sent with an armed company of about 400 men. It's a beautiful story. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this. 
God has helped me in the past, and I'm going to in the future. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians 1, you know, that's where we've gone recently for the amen of our the Lord Jesus Christ. The true witness. Chapter 1, remember that in verse 8, he ran into trouble in Asia. That's at Ephesus, where he was pressed out of measure. He had the sentence of death. They thought for sure they were going to die. They despaired of life. Verses 8 and 9. They despaired. Even Paul could despair of life at times and those men with him. Verse 10. Delivered us. Never forget this verse. Delivered us from so great a death and doth in the present tense deliver in whom we trust that he will Can you tie the past, present, and future together in your life? The Lord, He's doing things for me right now. And I, hath the Lord helped us. And He's helping us right now. And He's going to help us in the future. That's the life of faith. That's believing, believing the Lord. Jesus gave churches his supper. His glorious, glorious death for us. My body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Because looking back and seeing that Jesus died for us, what will God not give us freely since he gave us his son? He will give us everything. And so we remember it often. The Lord helped you in the past. How do you remember to keep you going? It's good for us to remember those deliverances and to trust them for the future. Other two, hath the Lord helped us. If you are rooted and baptized into Jesus Christ, helped you very much, or you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be like the vast majority of this world. If you are a body of believers, has helped you very much. He's helped you this far. There is every reason to trust him to help you more. And those things, every one of us can say individually. He has revealed his son to me. He revealed himself to me. He revealed his word to me. He led me to a church. He's led me. He's made me. Thank you, Lord. Caesar, stone of help. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Those words of Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. This church continued for history. In the first few verses of chapter 7, Israel, God then saved us from false doctrine. He has saved us from many. God our Father showed us many things. They revealed they convicted us about those revealed things. They convicted us to correct things. All of it's by the grace of God. Hitherto hath the Lord When Samuel said that, Samuel recognized that God had given him and God had given him a reputation of a prophet that they would gather together to hear him and then he could unload on them as their new judge. Put 
and prepare your hearts for him. Samuel knew how the Lord had prepared congregation fit together. Thank you, blessed God, for doing your work. I've mentioned the slideshow that we had. A recent study of Isaiah. that I received from members of the blessing of racing through those 66 chapters about being able to see all the prophets tied together better. Getting a call yesterday and telling me how Jeremiah is opening up so now at Isaiah. Seeing the change in my wife over the last year of the preaching on Isaiah and how Bible reading is, is entirely different to her. Told. So the Lord is helping us. Amen. And he isn't the devil. Luke, the king of Babylon, in particular, chapter one. Uh, your scarlet, and they shall be as white as snow. Is not talking about the cross of Christ. Sentence that's needed. That it is. Because Messiah would come to it, but it's all about the glory of the Jewish church, and we became its glory by being added to it. Many things we saw continues to the that I'm having meetings this week with three to be baptized is because they turned 18, and I am no longer practicing quasi-Catholic baptism practice of baptizing little children that do not understand discipleship. They do not understand the real temptations. A S. Relationships, sex. Eight-year-olds do not understand. Going back in the last hundred years, if I went back two hundred years, no one, no Baptist pastor, ever touched an eight-year-old. I thank him for that. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us, Amen. and I'm trusting him to continue to help. Him show us anything. If he doesn't like our five phases, we'll flush it and come up with four. Anything too dear for him. And we thank the Lord for it. We don't need a large stone. That had company, even if you're home, I guess all you the good, righteous reflection. Pray Thanksgiving services, do it. They should do it. We have a great system in our nation to have an annual Thanksgiving Day. Taking every new member through our slide, great event. The five verses. So when you're driving the road and you need something to say and you just want to shout, you can shout out the first five verses of Psalm 1. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul. But notice it doesn't forget not his benefit. So we need a mechanism. And we have an anniversary for that. 
And we'll celebrate in its proper form. This is about my mind. My mind can be to look at other things. That's what. And if we can't hug and mill and embrace the way we should, then we'll just have to wait a month or two and celebrate it properly. The Bible tells us us reminded yes the Lord is faithful I preached a sermon to you some time ago entitled reversal of fortune which wasn't a it should have been entitled three witnesses but I have other sermons entitled three witnesses it's called reversal of fortune but what it was was a was a triangle a pyramid that showed the three layers of building our faith. There's the Bible stories, which should be our foundational bedrock of what the Lord has done for men and women. Then the next layer, which is what the Lord has done for you. That I, why did we man in the pulpit a few minutes ago? Or a couple hours ago, however long it's been. Why did we do that? This pulpit is open. 1 Corinthians 14, and read about it throughout the book of Psalms, and to hear what the Lord did for him. Because excited about what the Lord did for him, we build our faith. The Lord take care of me. You know, the Lord's good for it. And the top part is what the Lord has done for us in the past. So we've got the Bible stories, we've got each other. And that's how we can provoke each other to love and to good works by reminding us of what the Lord's done for us. Right. Telling our testimony. And then we get into that top part of what He's done for us. He'll do it for us in the future. We should forget our past achievements and press to the finish line, like Paul said, which I mentioned earlier in the first sermon. But look at Philippians chapter 1. That running a Christian race is Philippians chapter 3. But I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 1 and let's look at a couple of verses of application for us. Philippians chapter 1. Paul said in verse 6, let's get verse 5, more context. For you. Paul was thankful about the Philippian church. He agrees. From the first day until now, be of this very thing totally trusting God and knowing that He will do His part of this very specific thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Without inspiration, because I have preached through Philippians chapter 1, phrase by phrase, this promise by God perfecting and performing what He began in us depends on our faithfulness. If we decide to rebel and leave the Lord squander the grace he's given us. And I've preached all that before. We are not fatalists. If sense that God need I'm a fatalist. I can just sit and forget the Lord and he's going to do everything needed for me. I am faithful. He gives more grace. Paul said, I am 
by the grace of God. But that grace was not bestowed upon me in vain. I labored more abundantly than all. And so you've got to get that part in there because God hasn't guaranteed every one of us every best Christian use His grace. How many places in the Bible that say we can Philippians. And let's read about the faithfulness of God again. I was confident that what he had said the Philippian church, he would perform it. Here we are in Thessalonians 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you. Pray God, your whole spirit preserve blameless coming of Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also. If you have read the book of 1 Thessalonians, then you know there's going by God's leading and by God's word. And when we do those things, God is faithful to do his part of sanctifying us completely. Jesus Christ, I. Now, himself and our Father. And our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, you toward you, to the end, unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God, we ought to love our brethren. We are choosing to love brethren. And we are choosing to take the grace and the power and strength of our new man, plus the written revelation of God, choose to love them. And then he leads us on further. It's by love. A great part of our sanctification to be holy. Look at 1 Corinthians 5. Chapter 5. Excuse me. 5. But the God of of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal After that ye have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion. Amen. God got all of it started by a world began choosing us in Christ Jesus, sending his son to die for us, regenerating us by his Holy Spirit. For called us to his eternal glory, and though the Lord is going to make you establish, strengthen in the face of persecution and martyrdom, I would like the Lord to make me perfect and to me. Will. Are you being faithful to that Lord? We don't to remember countless things. To pour out sacrifice based on our lips made acceptable through Jesus. The cat. And what pleasure to pour it out to Him? Who is our stone? Very carefully, deliver 
and our stone is in heaven. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's a stone of stone, and he's desirable to us, and he's the foundation of the church. It's the Lord's doings, and it's marvelous. If we falls on us, he'll grind us to powder. All the verses of the Bible say Jesus Christ is the stone or the rock. Who is our intercessor like Samuel? The one with a priesthood far above Samuel the judge by his office, the oath of his office, the perpetuity of his office, and the sacrifice that he gets to offer because he offered himself as the Lamb of God. We have the best of everything. What is our sucking lamb to be offered wholly unto the Lord? Jesus was the lamb offered wholly to the Lord. His whole body was hung on that cross. His whole body was taken down from that cross and his whole body was put in the tomb for our salvation. What is our Ebenezer? It's our communion services to remember our stone, our intercessor, and our lamb all at the same time. And by the grace of God, we will have communion soon, if not very soon, which should leave you a little hint that it could be very soon. There's a way that we can do it. There's ways that we can do it. And I appreciate a young man in the church that pushed me with some extra ideas on how we could do it. And so we'll do it soon, the Lord willing. I hope you remember Ebenezer, the stone of help, the stone of our help. The Lord Jesus Christ is our stone. I hope you remember hitherto hath the Lord helped us. He's brought us to this point. He's going to take care of us the rest of the way. I hope you know that you have an intercessor greater than Samuel. The whole church begged Samuel in 1 Samuel 7, begged him to continue to cry out to the Lord for them. We have one that never ceases doing it for us. And he's always heard. And we have a lamb that our intercessor gets to remind the God of heaven about that was his own sacrifice of himself once for all our sins. That's a little Bible history. The first seven chapters of 1 Samuel. For you to see it throughout the Bible. That we don't forget the things he's done for us. That we remember that he's been our helper. In times past, and he'll be our helper in times to come. Please stand with me.